Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kadiohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. There are all kinds of disasters happening around the world right now. Some are natural, while some appear to be caused by man's activities. The results of all these are tragic for men and women around the world, but as you'll hear Pastor J.D. teach, God stands above all, using these circumstances for His benefit. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January 30th, 2022. I am writing you from Germany. Here, it seems that everybody is sick and just can't get well. We've been sick for well over two weeks now. One or two days we'll feel better, but then all of a sudden, without any foreshadowing, we feel very bad again. It concerns me, my husband, my four children, my mother, our parents-in-law, our friends, and almost everybody we know. It all started around New Year's that we got sick. We thought it was the flu, but since we don't believe in this mystery illness, but it was different. Even my husband, who is not a Christian, felt that it was different from the ordinary flu, even on a spiritual level. We all had the same symptoms. It started with a fever for two to three days, pain in the stomach, headaches, pain in the muscles and bones, nausea, and just absolute loss of energy. Even now, more than two weeks after it started, I feel like I have run a marathon after climbing the stairs of our house. The worst part is that we just can't seem to get better. The same symptoms have been reported from my aunt in Spain, and our relatives in Serbia. My mother and aunt even had a feeling that their souls were leaving their body. Both were on the phone when they did not feel so well, so they decided to pray, break bread, and drink a sip of wine together. After that, my mother felt good again. I don't know how all this is related. Oh, and one more thing. We had noticed the planes spraying us like crazy around Christmas. It was way more activity in the skies than ever before. Who knows what they sprayed us with. And then I read about the 5G network being rolled out. Don't know how all this relates. All of us who have been feeling sick are unvaxxed, by the way. Do you notice something similar in the United States? Yes. Hello. Greetings from Europe. Keep up the good fight, and may the Lord bless you richly for your work. Before we go on to this second one, I do want to comment that 
there are so many people that are sick, as she describes. And it's the likes of which we've never seen before and don't know why. And what she said about, we just can't get better. I mean, we might start feeling better, but then down we go again. Something's, <laughs> this, is, this is different. <laughs> this is not normal, but God. Now the second one is from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. They write, Hi Pastor J.D., we have been online members of your church for close to two years, right around the time this started. We were led to your website by the grace of God and have been watching your prophecy updates ever since. We reside in Florida. We would like to request prayers for our nephew and family due to the very unexpected and sudden death of our nephew's 21-year-old bride. The couple were married in June. A couple weeks back, she had been given antibiotics for a bacterial infection, and on January 20th, she felt all better and decided to work out at the gym, then walked to her on-site campus apartment. On Friday, she woke up with what she thought were sore legs due to her workout and the walking. She was feeling much worse on Monday and had blood work done. On Tuesday, she got a call from her doctor stating she had leukemia and to go to the ER immediately for more tests. At the hospital, she was x-rayed and told her lungs were clear, but her blood work showed she had acute leukemia. She was x-rayed again and then told she had COVID-19 pneumonia, but tested negative three times. She was eventually further diagnosed with a pulmonary embolism, as well as a large clot in her leg. Her blood work also showed she had had a heart attack, 21-year-old, fit, they told her and the family she needed to be induced into a coma and intubated immediately. They gave permission, and she died within minutes of intubation from a heart attack. They were able to bring her back, but they lost her again, and she was pronounced dead shortly after. This all within a few hours of being in the ER. She was a young, healthy 21-year-old female, she had been injected to include the booster. Please pray for our nephew and the family. The family is in denial that the injections had anything to do with her sudden, unexpected, horrific death, and that this was all caused by sudden acute leukemia. Please also pray for their eyes to be open. Booster number two is coming soon, and they are not ready to believe the injection caused her death. We fear for their lives if they choose to be injected again. When I say this is representative of many emails, we even had one, ironically enough, dear friend of ours locally here, texted me this week, 21-year-old guy, goes into the gym, had been injected, dies at the gym instantly, heart attack. 21 years old. 
Well, yesterday I received this update from them. They write, Dear Pastor J.D., a few days ago we wrote you asking for prayers for our nephew. We would like to give you a follow-up that is one of those wonderful but God moments we hear you read about each week. Since we live in Florida, we were unable to attend her funeral service in Arkansas, but were able to view the live stream. During the service, the pastor talked of her sister who was not saved and did not know Jesus Christ. But on Thursday, our nephew gave his testimony to her and explained to her why he had hope in Jesus and knew that she was in heaven because she too was saved. She accepted Jesus Christ right then and there, with Him witnessing to her about our Lord and Savior in the depth of His pain and suffering. He shared our Lord. Praise Jesus. This is a textbook case of Genesis fifty twenty. I hope you don't tire of me referring to or quoting or reading this verse. Cannot quote it enough, cannot read it enough. Joseph says to his brothers, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Other translations render it, but God meant it for good for the salvation of many this day. Ah, I love it when God does that. Okay, well, you'll forgive me for <laughs> taking this down this road, but I have to, because it's the truth. I have to speak the truth. So what's happening now is even more evil than any of us could possibly imagine. And what I'm speaking of are the reports about how hospitals are now not only killing people, but doing so in order to sell their organs. We provided the links to the two videos I'm going to reference in this regard, the first of which is an interview with a hospital whistleblower. It's from Stu Peters on Rumble, and it's titled Whistleblower, Hospitals Killing for Organs. This is absolutely evil and a crime against humanity. In the video, Peters interviews a guest who remains anonymous for understandable reasons, as she's a nurse in California. She states that she sees the same pattern repeat over and over. Patients get put on remdesivir and another deadly medicine, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, vancomycin, which also damages the kidneys. She also states that nobody is getting adequate nutrition or IVs, Nobody is given a nebulizer, nobody gets antibiotics, and the patients end up dying so the doctors can rush in and rip their organs out as organ donors. One human body that you harvest organs from 
is worth something like 50 plus million dollars. By the way, let me just quickly and parenthetically say that this is what is behind late-term abortions, so you understand. The organs, the... Uh, <sighs> the second video is actually from back in 2017. Uh, someone sent it to me. I watched it. It's, again, pretty intense. It's titled, Dr. Byrne, Jaw-Dropping Discussion with one of the founders of neonatal perinatal medicine. I'm going to share with you several excerpts from the transcript of this video concerning what he says is the invention of brain death, invention of brain death for the purpose of organ harvesting. Quote, they're harvesting organs out of people who are in some way conscious and they just can't communicate. They give paralyzing agents when they take the organs so that they don't move and don't squirm. Their heart rate goes up and their blood pressure goes up, which is the response to pain, but they can't demonstrate that they have pain. So they then invented brain death to mainly get to the organs, but then also so they don't waste money on treating people who are just going to keep on living and not die. Still quoting, so what brain death is, it's primarily a way to get organs. It's no different than what they did in Germany. It's exactly what they did in Germany. It's all found in articles in the American Medical Association. In 1919 and 1920, a doctor in Germany wrote to the American Medical Association telling them what the doctors were doing in Germany. That was before Hitler. So in many ways, what's going on in this country is very similar to what was going on then. And it took World War II to stop those doctors. But then what happened was that the records were all sent to the Russians and we brought the German doctors to the United States. Did you know about that? These German doctors were already involved in doing evil things before Hitler. He goes on to explain, and this was really interesting and informative and shocking actually. Quote, you cannot get any organs from a cadaver. Every organ that's transplanted is a healthy organ, and you can only get healthy organs from living persons. The things I'm telling you, you are not allowed to hear. Whose organs do they want? They want the organs from certainly all the children, but especially the people who are 16 to 30 and their life is in jeopardy. If they're unconscious and on a ventilator, they're going to get their organs. Once the organs are taken, you can't bring them back to life. So what they do is they tell the relatives, well, you know, your daughter Sally would really like to do something good, and this is a way something good can come out of this tragedy. What they do is they take the ventilator away for 10 minutes, and the patient has to demonstrate that they can take a breath, and that becomes a signal to cut out their organs during the time they're off the ventilator. Okay, again, just please bear with me. This ends well, by the way. So, 
Here's a question. The question becomes one of, why does God seem to let them get away with this evil? And this brings us full circle back to the aforementioned eternal perspective. The short answer is he, 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 he's not going to let them get away with this. Simply put, God will have the final word. And when he does, he will meet out just judgment on the wicked who are doing this evil. Now I am keenly aware that all that I've had to share might encourage you in some way, but it, truth be made known, seems too far away. Because the problem is that when God does this, that's yet future. And the problem is, I'm at the end of my rope now, in the present. And I really don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to hang on. Two thoughts on this, the first of which has to do with what we're told in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, where we have one of seven letters that Jesus inspired John by the Holy Spirit to write. And this church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, <laughs> actually modern-day Turkey. This letter to this church, I think, is for us today, for all those who would have ears to hear. Let us hear what the Spirit would say to us, His church. In verse 8, he commends this church, saying, I know that you have little strength. I know you're just barely hanging on, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The inference being that there were those who had. Had what? They had denied His name, the name of Jesus, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, the name above all names. They denied the name of Jesus, and they did not keep the Word of God. He goes on in verse 10 saying, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently. We talked about this. I, I'll just comment briefly that we want this to be a command, because when it's a command, then it rises to the level of God empowering us by the Holy Spirit to do that which He's commanded us to do, because God will never command us to do anything unless He also enables us and empowers us to do that which He's commanded us to do. Because if He were not to do that, then He would be party to our disobedience to His commands. So in a way, when you read, since you have kept my command, oh, this is a command. No, you want it to be a command. Well, what's the command? To endure patiently. 
Listen, those two words, together, endure. Okay, I can work with endure. But patiently? Well, you've kept my command to endure patiently. And because you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That's the seven year tribulation. Every nation, every inhabitant on the earth, the whole world. And then he says this, verse 11, we talked about this too, I'll just briefly comment on it. He says, behold, I am coming quickly. You know, oh good, you, you already know where I'm going. So, you know what that word quickly is in the original language of the Greek New Testament? It's the word takos, where we get our English word for that meter in our car we call the tachometer that measures RPMs, revolutions per minute. The time is already set one minute. If this is a gauge by which you measure the revolutions per minute. You know what Jesus is saying here? <laughs> Hold on, I'm coming. When things are revved up, and we're like, Lord, we're redlining. This thing's going to blow up. <laughs> to which I say, cool. When it blows up, we goes up. Yeah. Okay, back to the text. He says it again. And I want you to hear this. Let's have ears to hear this, okay? Hold on. Those two words, hold on. Just hold on. How much longer? Not that long. I'm coming quickly. Things are rubbing up, Lord. I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Maybe this is a word for somebody here or watching online, but I want to assure you, <laughs> the Lord is going to get you through whatever it is you're going through until that trumpet sounds. Yeah, but pastor, with all due respect, it's getting very bad and I'm barely hanging on. The Lord knows. By the way, Isaiah 62 verse 9, very interesting. It basically says this, that in our affliction, He feels affliction. Did you catch that? You ever thought of it like that? That when we're afflicted, he feels that affliction, because He's the head, right? Jesus Christ is the head and we're the body. When the body is afflicted, He as the head feels that affliction. Never allow the enemy to deceive you so that you believe that God doesn't care about what you're going through. We're so glad you joined us for this prophecy update on In Spirit and Truth. Do the things you hear about on this program cause you to feel unsettled? Perhaps there are too many things coming into play that make you stop and wonder if you're truly living in the end times. 
If that's the case, we hope that through these updates, you are reminded of God's faithfulness through His Word and that His promises will be fulfilled. This can be a benefit to you. Being around other believers can give you support regarding these things that are happening around you. If you're in the area and haven't found a church home yet, we invite you to come visit us and get to know the heart behind this ministry. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. If you'd like more information on joining us or for additional resources, go to jdfarag.org and scroll to the bottom of the page. That's J-D-F-A-R-A-G dot O-R-G. There, you'll find a Calvary link that will take you to the church's website. While you're at our website, be sure to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. Another interesting point of reference is a tab that says ABCs. This is useful for anyone seeking and wanting to find out more about Jesus and His love for you as an individual. That's all available at our website. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor JD for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.